0: Our scripture reading today comes from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening is listening. A word of the God, word of God still speaking. Thanks be to God.
1: Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, having heard your word read, we would ask now that you would indeed open our ears, our hearts, our minds, that we might hear you speaking to us. And, O Lord, may these words be not my words, but your words for our hearing this day, amen. When I entitled this sermon, The Eli Implant, I realized that if people see only the title, they may think, ah, Sue's being a bit risque, shall we say, because you know what I'm talking about. Over 30 million women in our country have chosen to implant for form and appearance. But not all implants are cosmetic. My nephew Paul has an implant that includes an electrode to the vagus nerve to help control his epileptic seizures. 10,000 Americans have vocal implants to assist them in speaking after strokes, cancer, or traumatic injury visually impaired individuals are finding retinal implants restore vision by sending wireless images from an eyeglass mounted camera to electrodes implanted in the retina don't ask me how it works but how awesome and quadriplegics they're gaining basic finger movement with an awesome neural control free hand system that directs electronic sensors along the arm and hand to control paralyzed muscles. And one of the most successful implants is the cochlear implant. My great niece, Adonijah, was born with the ability to hear. At the time, they didn't realize it, but when she was about five months old, she had a virus. That virus stole her hearing completely. At about the age of three, her family made the decision to have a cochlear implant put in, which she did, but she still had to learn how it worked. Cochlear implants implanted in the human skull and connected to tiny wires in the cochlear canal of the inner ear, fastened to an external microphone, allow for sound to come to the hearing impaired. But, even though that cochlear implant gives the deaf ear hearing by creating sound sensations, The one with the implant has to learn how to interpret those sounds into meaningful information. Because you see, sensation is not perception. Hearing is not listening, whether it's for people with implants or for every one of us. Implants don't guarantee life in the easy lane. They have wonderful possibilities, but they take work. Because remember, sensation is not perception. Hearing is not listening. And that's what I invite you to think about for a few moments this morning. For all of us need to evaluate whether or not we are spiritually listening impaired. And if we are, do we need an Eli implant? The scripture lesson that we heard just a few minutes ago that Chris read tells us that hearing isn't Samuel's problem. Listening is. He can hear, but he isn't listening. He can sense, but he can't perceive. The boy hears and responds the best he can. He responds wrongly not because he hears wrongly but because he didn't listen and can't listen because he doesn't know how to listen because he lacks the tools to listen so instead of a futuristic high-tech cochlear implant to help him or some other implant all he needs is a no tech device called the Eli implant. You probably remember Samuel. He was born after his mother Hannah struggled with infertility for years. And she finally promised God that if she had a son, she would dedicate him to God. The son was born. And after he was weaned, Hannah left him with the priest, Eli, at the temple in Shiloh. Now here Samuel is sleeping before the Ark of the Covenant that symbolized God's presence to everyone who was near it. It's a bleak time for the country, especially in the temple. Visions weren't common and Samuel hadn't had one. So when God called he didn't recognize the voice now anyone who's lived with children or older people can understand the scene that was playing out that night there are nights you don't get a lot of sleep Eli had probably called Samuel before at night more than once to ask him for something but tonight Eli was sleeping well Samuel hears his name goes to Eli and says, you called me? What do you want? Eli just wants to sleep. And he tells Samuel, no, I didn't go back to bed. It happened again and again. And by the third time, Eli is awake enough to figure out what is going on. Now Samuel is still clueless, but that doesn't matter. Eli gives him instructions, and the next time Samuel hears his name, he uses Eli's words. Speak, for your servant is listening. Now, when I'm watching sports on television, or if I get a chance to go to a big game in person, and there's this phenomenal play, I want to see the replay. In fact, I'd like to see it in slow motion. I want to see it again even and when I hear this story in scripture I want the same for Samuel how did he know it was God's voice and not his own ambition to oust Eli that he was scheming about in the middle of the night how did he recognize God's voice with all the other voices playing in his head as he slept Now in the church year, this Sunday, the second Sunday in ordinary time or in the season of epiphany, we read stories about God appearing. God appearing to Jesus at baptism, God appearing to the disciples, God appearing to Samuel. God shows up in regular life to plain folk. The challenge is to recognize what happened and to be ready to go. The same is true for us. But the danger is that we'll follow the wrong voice. We'll miss the real one. God's call doesn't follow a formula that we can plug in from this story to this story to this story. No, it doesn't. But there are a few clues that we can pick up from stories like Samuel's. At the end of the story, dim-sighted Eli says, in effect, to Samuel, it must be God calling you. On account of that insight, old Eli reaches down within himself and pulls out the Eli implant, explaining it to the boy as a small device, a helpful tool, a holy gadget, absolutely guaranteed to broaden his hearing, to tune his soul's holy ear right into the divine sound wave. As a sort of fine-tuned frequency adjuster, the Eli implant provides the essential spiritual bandwidth reception for everyone, anywhere, even young Samuel. Not just to hear God's voice, but to distinguish it from all the background noises, all the sounds and distractions that surrounded him so that he might listen to God's voice spoken to him. And the same can happen for me and for all of you. In the first place, there's no denying that Samuel was in the right place to see a vision. Maybe visions weren't very frequent, but if God is going to speak, chances are it would be in a holy place. Samuel is surrounded by things that can help him when he can finally put the pieces together. There was a movie some years ago, called Clueless, that tells the story of an affluent teenage girl in California. She didn't really have a crisis, but she had ordinary questions about grades and friends and how to use her good looks and her popularity and her affluence. Now the movie is complicated, but in a nutshell, she starts out largely clueless. But she collects clues from this person and that person and this person around her who help her to grow up. When we try to discern God's will, we might ask if we are putting ourselves in places where we are likely to hear God's voice. Are we collecting clues from those around us? Are we paying attention to people who might guide us. Are we sleeping in front of the ark? Are are we surrounded by so much noise that there's no chance of hearing God's voice? Are we hearing or are we listening? Samuel's vision mixes a new voice with tradition. And combines an individual call with community. Samuel hears God's voice alone. But he depends upon Eli's guidance, the Eli implant, to understand what to do. Samuel calls for the end of the old regime, but he is still connected to its best parts. You know, we in the Presbyterian Church believe that God alone is Lord of the conscience. In matters of faith, good Christians often disagree with each other. Groups such as sessions, general assembly, Presbyteries, sometimes groups within congregations don't necessarily always agree with one another. But... They try to discern God's will together. So, too, we must sense our own sense of what God is saying with those others in the church. Believe, and with the testimony of scripture, and with church teachings, we ought to check it out. Not with, just with people who likely think like us but also with those who are likely to disagree. We need to say to one another, uh, you don't have to agree with me, but does what I'm saying make sense at all to you? And then truly listen to the response. And finally, Samuel's call is confirmed over time. People call come to rely upon him as someone that God spoke through. You take a chance at first and only know later if you heard God right. Sometimes we miss God's call altogether, but fortunately, as with Samuel, God comes back again and again and again if need be. At the end of this third chapter, And you might want to read that third chapter of 1 Samuel later today. Eli knows that he will lose everything, but he has heard God, and he understands what he is supposed to do. At the end of the movie, Clueless, the teenager doesn't have it all figured out, but she's made some good choices. She's no longer clueless. So we have some times when we put our clues together and we take a chance on the voice that we're hearing, and then we say, speak for your servant is listening. And we just might step into a role where we are more faithful and bolder and where the words we are given to say and the actions that we take are exactly the ones that are needed in that time and place. Paying attention to God's voice, really listening to what is being said, is difficult when our ears and our minds are cluttered with the honks and the hoots, the toots and the beauty, the bothers of life. Who has time or the tools? to calm the din of sound inside as well as outside of our heads, to quiet the muddle, to muscle our thoughts and our life so that we can say to God, here I am listening. Maybe if you don't have the tools or the time, maybe if life is too busy and noisy, then just maybe, The implant is for you. But what is it? It's those seven simple words that we've heard several times. Simple words of prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's a request that God hear you. That God help you to hear what he has to say. Hear his still small voice among the many other competing voices in a sound saturated society. It's a conscious and concerted effort to tune out the distracted babble of billions of fellow beings and to tune in to the divine bandword of Almighty God. It's a prayer that you and I and fellow believers, like dim-sighted Eli, will be able to really listen to the Lord and to determine together what he is calling his people to do and to be today and always. Virtually everybody and anybody can hear God's voice. You choose to listen. After all, who has the time? Who has the temperament? Who has the tools? You do, with or without a cochlear implant. The tools include prayer. The tools include Bible study and reading, alone and with other believers. The tools include time and patience and other believers all added together with the eli implant speak lord for your servant is listening thanks be to god amen